Welcome back to the Pastor and the Witch podcast recorded in Muncie, Indiana. Before we get to today's episode, my wife and I really just want to say thank you to everybody who has donated to the show, um, who has sent us emails and messages and talked about their own personal tragedies and experiences and how they got through that and how they feel when they hear our story. We really appreciate that. Uh, we're really blown away by just the outreach that has happened and that we've experienced with this podcast really in its infancy stage. So we really thank you for that. We will get to some of those stories uh, in the near future in some uh, episodes. But in the meantime, you can hit us up at the Pastor and the Witch Podcast at gmail.com on our Facebook page and on our website, thepastorandthewitch.com. Thank you, and I hope you enjoy the episode today. Welcome back to the Pastor and the Witch podcast, and I am here with my amazing, sexy husband. Yes, you are. Really? (laughs) Grant. And we are, again, the Pastor and the Witch podcast, recorded here in Muncie, Indiana. And you can take over, because you know how I am not good at starting. Okay, well... Uh, today's episode, we are going to kind of do somewhat of a continuation of last episode, except it's not necessarily going to be about me whatsoever. And I kind of like that. Yay. So today I'm going to, babe, I'm just going to ask you some questions and kind of get you to talk about what was going on when we first met. So this would have been, we met in February of 20. 18. Yep. And so this, when did this kind of incident start? Let's just say that. And we'll kind of talk about what that incident was, but when did the police contact you? Okay. Um, well, in 2017, January of 2017, I was actually arrested. The man that I was with at the time, I had been with for two years. Very terrible relationship. In January of 2017, we were both arrested on marijuana charges. Those are some heavy charges. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, if you would have been there, like, when they were getting everything out of my apartment, you would have think it would have been, like, this major drug bust. That's so annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I'm, yeah. I mean, don't sorry. get me wrong. Like, it sucked, and, yeah, it shouldn't have happened, and it was embarrassing. And the amount of marijuana that was found was actually very little. It was mostly paraphernalia. What what was it, though? Like, two grams? Was it just, like, shake? Honestly, it was under an eighth. Okay. I don't remember the exact amount. Like, under but, five grams, essentially, right? Yeah. Um, but anyways, what happened was, um, when that happened, me and my three kids were at the Bluebird in Morristown having breakfast with my mom because she worked there. And on my way home... Um, I pulled into my apartment complex and I immediately felt weird. Like my gut was telling me something, but I wasn't really sure what, but there was like three 
police cars like waiting in the parking lot, like just hanging out. Not like they were parked, they were just hanging out. So I just pulled in, pulled in front of my apartment and was getting out. And as I was carrying Flynn, he was in a carrier. I was walking up to the door and a police officer walked up to me and was like, ma'am, is this your apartment? And I was like, yeah. And he said, are you just now getting home? And I was like, yeah. And he told me that a call had been, had come in saying that there was a smell of marijuana coming from this apartment. Well, of course I knew that my boyfriend at the time was inside, but I told them, I was like, well, I'm just now getting home. I've been gone all morning. Well, long story short, um, I did let them in um, because, you know, I did tell them that I had a boyfriend that was living there, but actually I think I told them that he wasn't there. But anyways, I opened the door and you could smell marijuana. So at that point, I was like, well, I'm not going to lie. One, I'm not a good liar. Two, they smelled it. So what can I exactly say? Um, well, little did I know that he had actually snuck out the back door. And so I gave them consent to search my apartment, which a lot of people think was stupid. But you know what? It was my way of... Well, so what would have happened if you hadn't given them consent? They would have went and got a warrant and would have searched it anyway, and then I would have gotten in more trouble. Yeah, but, like, how long would it have taken them to get that warrant? I don't know. Probably. It would have taken them a while, right? Probably. I, I would assume so. All right. I don't think like this, though, so I just, you know... Well, I'm not... I really don't know how all that stuff works either. Well, yeah. Like, I how mean, long it takes. Yeah. I would, But they smelled it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... And I was in a situation where I felt stuck as far as the relationship. So honestly, I knew that this was my only way to get out. So they searched my apartment and they found marijuana. And, you know, so they took everything but didn't arrest me or him at the time. But within a week, within the next week, I was arrested, and he actually, you know, split, ran. Um, I was arrested by myself and did 28 hours in holding. It was terrible, the most worst thing, worst experience of my life. And when I got out, I let them know where he was, so he, he got arrested. So that was the end of that relationship. Like, that was that moment where no more. I didn't let him come back ever. So... Fast forward, that was in January and August of that same year. I had detectives come knock on my door and ask if I knew him, gave me his name, and I was like, yes, I was with him for two years. And they came in and told me that his phone had been turned in for other reasons, but as they were going through his phone, they found pictures of a little girl, and they were inappropriate pictures. So. They showed me a picture of her, not like an inappropriate picture, but it was a picture that he had of her, just a normal picture, and asked if, asked me to identify her and to identify her as my daughter and if that was true. So, of course, yes. So, I found out that day that she, he had taken inappropriate pictures of her. Um, so, when I found that out, that was in August. The investigation took about a month and maybe a little longer. And I think he was finally arrested um, in actually in November. So it did take a little while. But he was arrested and 
That was in November of 2017. And then we met in February of 2018. He was incarcerated for basically November 2017. And he's still incarcerated now, but his trial actually didn't take place until April of 2019. So when you and I met, I was dealing with that. Um, of course, when I found that out, I was devastated, guilty. I felt like I had failed her as a mother. Um, before I found out about that, I had been going through that process of trying to heal from being in an abusive, controlling, toxic relationship. And also, I still I was feeling guilty with that because I was in that type of relationship with my children present, you know, and was giving them a poor example of what a healthy relationship should be. So then when I found out about what he did to my daughter, it was like a huge slap in the face, and it was like I had to start all over, but it was even worse. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, how did you, because I, I don't necessarily remember, how did you tell me about this, like the initial... So I remember being at your apartment one time and that guy from DCS showed up, but it, it was just like uh, this, he was there for like five minutes. Actually, when we met at Starbucks, I told you about all this. Yeah, but like how did you approach that, like in your head? To tell you? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I knew that I wanted to tell you immediately. Um, I was very scared, though, because I felt like I knew you had been through a lot, but I felt like I, I still felt like a burden or I could be a burden to somebody because of the things that I had went through and what my children had gone through. Um, so I was scared, but, you know, I just, I just made that choice. Like, I need to tell him everything and tell him the truth right up front. That way he's aware. You were aware, obviously. But... Um, I don't know. I didn't really think about it too much. I just knew that I was going to tell you immediately. Yeah. Well, I, I ask you that because I know, uh, you know, like leading up to that, like we had talked via like messenger and, and texting and things like that. But, you know, a lot of that, like looking back on it, it was so new because I didn't meet Haley or Silas until a month into our relationship. And you didn't meet Michaela until that time. And it was uh, one of those things that I know it's, it's, uh, it's easier to talk about something when it's happened to you directly. Like, for instance, if somebody has violated you or assaulted you in some way. But it's entirely different when uh, it's your your son or daughter and from a parental perspective and I don't really have that experience other than just watching you go through that and the whole court process and leading up to that I remember that trial pretty well because it was just a uh it's a new thing to me you know yeah you were there every step of the way though yeah but you know like I don't remember I've, I've been in courtrooms before and things like that but you know, like a sexual assault. So the charges were what? Child exploitation and child pornography. Okay. And then 
And they didn't charge him with child molestation because they knew that they couldn't prove that, right? Yes. It's such a hard charge to prove. Yeah, they couldn't actually prove because what happened was after we found out what happened, Haley did have to go to a place called Susie's Place, and it was where she had to do like a forensic interview. And of course, I couldn't be in there with her, but... So explain what a forensic interview is, though, to those who don't know. Basically, it's when you go and your child or whatever child is has been sexually abused or molested or assaulted or or there's suspicion of that they go into this room and they basically are interviewed um behind the camera but the, but they don't know that there's like a social worker in there with them and the room that they're in is like a normal probably room that like in a council like it's just like a counseling session basically there's toys and and stuff to make them comfortable. So uh, let me back up a bit. When this happened to Haley, she was five, but how old was she when she went in for this forensic interview? Was she six? She would have been, let's see. Yes, she would have been six. And then when he was convicted, she was eight, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, but yes, in this interview, she, you know, of course, there's a social worker in there, and they ask her, they ask her questions. Um, now they did have these pictures on hand. Um, now, the detective came in and told me that they could not actually, you know, she did not was not able to actually say that yes, he touched me, but she was very uncomfortable when he was brought up like his name and she could not say his name and when they I don't think they showed her the most graphic picture but they did show a picture of her that was taken by him and she started crying so they knew that there was something there but the most graphic picture that they had it did show his hand near her you know, private area. Yeah. But his hand was not directly on that area, but it was basically his hands or fingers were underneath, like, her underwear, basically moving it out of the way. But yet, they still can't charge him with molestation because he's not actually doing anything wrong. Well, not that that he wasn't doing anything wrong, but he wasn't actually touching her. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, you know, essentially when, when you told me about this, you know, I had never met Flynn yet, mm-hmm. and Flynn was a year and five months, yeah, year and a half, basically, and this guy is obviously Flynn's biological father, and, but was, how long was he out of the picture? I know you said that he took off, you know, when... The cops smelled marijuana or they were called and all that shit. But he took off and then was put, he was found a week later, like when you got out. Yeah, basically after I was released, I let them know where he was. And I think within a couple days he was arrested. Okay, so when he was arrested, that wasn't the time, though, they found the pictures on his phone, right? No. It was another time that he was arrested. Okay, so he was arrested how many months later, though? On for the time when they found 
the pictures. When they actually found the pictures, I believe that would have been in either July or August because I was contacted not long after they had found the so pictures. So do you know what he was originally arrested for? I actually don't. And well, he had he had a pretty extensive record though, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mainly like what was it? Domestic violence. Well, yeah, with us, there was uh, restraining orders, domestic violence, trespassing, harassment. How many um, restraining orders did you have on them? I had three. Three, okay. And, and what you said, domestic violence, trespassing? Yep, harassment. Harassment. Um, what he, about drug charges? Yeah, he had a couple marijuana charges, I think. A lot of speeding or driving while suspended. Okay. Um, did he have an actual license when he was arrested? Yes. Okay. Yep. Okay. But I don't really remember. I kind of remember. I think what happened was he was seeing someone and they found something in his phone that had messages in it that might have had a t uh, might have been talking about child molestation. And and was that the woman like outside of the courtroom that was with her dad? That redheaded woman. Yep. Because her dad came up to us in the parking lot. Remember. Wasn't that? No, that was actually another person. Another person. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, like, you know, like when I hear these stories, it's hard to kind of put things together because, like, one, I've never talked to this individual, and the only time I've ever seen him, yeah, I saw, like, his mug shots or a couple, and it was, mug shots are hard to kind of, like, you kind of get a, a gist, but at the same time, like, you know, they're, they're almost like an inanimate object, so it's not like they're, sta they're stationary. So when he was in the courtroom and he was brought in, that first time he was brought in, he was with other inmates. Remember that? And it was basically like the preliminary where he was going to plead guilty or not guilty, and he pled not guilty. And so when we went back, which would have been what? What month would that have been when the trial started? Because it was, it was a one-day trial. Yeah, I think it was because they get rescheduled a couple times. Yeah, it was, I remember they it pushed was it back. either in April or June of two thousand and nineteen. Yep, correct. All right. So, and I remember when he came in, and he was looking at me, and I got up a few times, like to during that entire day, like go to the bathroom or whatever, and and I remember looking at him because I was like trying to take this this like mental picture in my head so I could remember. Really in case, because, like, this guy's going to be out in November. So this time next year, he'll be, he'll have been out for over six months, you know. And I kind of wanted to, like, look at him in case he's ever out in public, you know. Because mm -hmm. the one good thing, though, talk about, so, talk about the charges, like, how they came out. Well, he didn't get shit, to be honest, but... Basically, his sentencing was four years, but he he did get time served for being in the county, but basically he'll do two years. Um, but the good thing about it is he will have to register as a sex offender for the rest of his life. But So there were two charges, though, and then they, they basically they mended like them to them one together. because they, were the, they said they were the same thing. So yeah. child exploitation and possession of child pornography, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you want to know something that's fucked up about that what? is when I got in trouble when I got arrested I had well it was actually a D felony which a D felony is like the 
least serious felony you can get. Yeah. Because I got visiting a common nuisance, which is a D felony, but it was lifted to a, a misdemeanor. But visiting a common nuisance is a D felony. Child exploitation or child pornography, I forget which one, is also a class D felony. Yeah, that's a really fucked up thing. Yeah, so like me and him could stand next to each other and we'll both have a D felony. Yeah. But his is child pornography and mine is visiting a common nuisance. Yeah. That's but you you weren't you're not a convicted felon though. No, no, probably. I'm not a I'm not a convicted felony. I yeah. or felon. I just have a misdemeanor. Yeah. But yeah, that that's a very crazy thing to think that you could be I mean in the same classification. What a jacked up. Like, yeah. It's it's weird. It's fucked it's up. It's upside down. It's really fucked up. So, all right, I think that it's kind of a good picture where we're at. But talk about those first couple nights after the state police detective showing up on your door and saying, like, we have these pictures. So talk about, like, what you were going through in your head. Um, <clears throat> well, of course, I mean, I was, like, devastated, but it was really, I was really in this really thick fog, like, trying to put together everything that had happened because there were things that had happened in our relationship that when I was in that moment after finding out, like, I was like, signs were there, you know, but you don't think about it or you just like, uh, you know, you don't. I don't. So what's one of those signs, though? Like, what's a red flag? Um... I mean, was he controlling or? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, and I'm not going to say that every man that, or woman or whatever that has the, that does these things means they're a pedophile, but he was addicted to pornography. Okay. Um, a lot of the porn that he would watch was obviously not child, but like young. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you know, it was something funny. We were watching that documentary that, uh, Oh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Quincy Jones, his mm-hmm. daughter, did a documentary called, I think it's Hot Girls Wanted or something like that. And they talk about in that documentary, the most searched kind of porn in North America is teen. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like amateur. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, and then he... Had a lot of, um, he was addicted to sex, um, and yeah, there was just, I don't know, and he was very, I don't know, very, I, you know, very secretive, you know. Did, did he did he work? Like, did he contribute? No, no. I mean, he'd worked off and on, but no, he never contributed. And how old, how much older was he than you? Uh, two years older than two me. Two years older than you, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, he definitely, yeah, I don't know, he had a lot of sexual issues. So those are obviously red flags. Um, what were some others, though, like looking back on it? Like if you could like sit and be in front of a group of, single moms which is what you were at the time you had three kids who were 
starting to go down the same road. Because, like, I, you know, he it's... He was overly nice to Haley. Okay. Like, when we first got together, he was overly nice to her. Very kind. Um, acted very much like a child himself to her to try and get... And to Silas, too, but, like, you know, and we would lay on the, like, we would lay together on top of the bed, you know, like to watch a movie or something. But he would be under the covers, and I'd be right there, and it's not like we were, we we were just like, like we are right now, but in the middle of the day. And, he, you know, like lay under, like try and lay under the covers with her. I mean, and like I said, I'd be right there, but then I'd be like, oh, he's just being nice and trying to be like, um, like, a father figure and comforting and stuff like that. But that's really not normal for a man to do that, especially to a child that he doesn't know. Yeah. You know? Um, And also when we would be out at the playground or just anywhere and there were other children around, he would be overly attentive to them like we would be at the park and he would like play like I'm not saying that if you play with kids or you're good with kids that means it's just the way the but I don't know how to explain it no I, I think what you're trying to say that a term that's used a lot is grooming yeah where and and that might not be fully grooming but with with Haley it definitely was but where you kind of do some things where, like, you're overly nice, especially with a child you really don't know. Um, or even it's weird, too, with a child that already has a dad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, and, and and her dad was active in her life at that time, yeah. too. So and the, still and is, the, but I mean. Yeah, and there's, like, I think, like, within the context of our family, you know, I look at Flynn, mm-hmm. who's, you know, who's going to be four next month. And, but there's a difference because I look at like Haley and Silas and they have a dad, you know, but so what's something though that, like I was saying, if besides those things, like if you could go back and tell yourself like, Hey, you need to check this shit right now. Like, what are some other things that would come up? Um, well, when in the beginning of our relationship, it was around Easter of 2015. Um, I think I, I told you the story. Um, Haley was actually out on the porch with my mom playing with Barbies. Um, and she had wanted to play doctor. And my mom was playing with her. And Haley goes, well, with her Barbies, let's, let's check their private parts. and. You know, so I I believe she said something like, my mom asked her, well, does it hurt? And Haley said, no, but it's red, or no, but it's red down there, and it goes in deep or something like that. Um, so my mom was like, has someone hurt you? And Haley goes, I don't want to talk about it. So CPS was called, actually, the, the first time CPS was called was that time. And... Uh, that was the first time Haley had to go for a forensic interview. Now, at this time, she would have been four. Um, So I was investigated. He was investigated. 
um, Haley was question, you know, how to do the forensic interview. And when she was doing the forensic interview, she said that the reason why she was afraid of him because he was mean to mommy, um, which he was. He just like a couple weeks before that happened, he had seen like he had pushed me off the front porch in front of her and Silas and actually his other two kids were there at that time. So she said that he was mean to mommy and um, made her sit on the toilet too long because like she was in the middle of being potty trained. And I remember I was at work and I came home because we were living with my mom and he forced her to sit on the toilet longer. I don't know if anything happened. She doesn't recall anything happened and just said that she didn't like how he made her sit on the toilet and didn't let her get up. So all that was brought up. Um, but they asked her why she said what she said about the Barbies, and she said, I don't know why, I just made that up. So they said, CPS told me that he was cleared and that they weren't worried about anything as far as him sexually abusing her and that it was because she was frightened of him because he was abusive. So. Basically, he was cleared, unsubstantiated is the word they use, and they let her, you know, like, you know, I took her home, and everything was, like, dropped and went back to not normal, but I'm just saying, like... That's, like, the issue with sexual abuse, you know? Like, especially sexual abuse with children is almost similar to, like, back pain. Mm-hmm. You know, like, somebody could sit here and go, my back hurts so bad. But you're like, oh, you look fine to me because there's not like a compound fracture where your bone's sticking out. Yeah. Well, and I want to make one thing clear because it's still uncomfortable for me to talk about these things because I've come a long way and I, you know, I don't, I don't sit around and, and feel guilty and just, you know, beat myself up because it's over, it's done with, and we've come a long way and she's happy and healthy and I'm happy and healthy. Um, but after that first initial incident, I am not joking you, and I probably did it too much, but it was always in the back of my mind, what if? And I never let her stay alone with him unless she wanted to after that, because she very rarely wanted to stay alone with him. That's another thing. She never wanted to stay alone with him. She was afraid to stay with him. Another thing, too, that started to happen, like, later on in our relationship towards the end is she would wake up in the middle of the night having nightmares. She never went to bed, but she would wake up screaming and from a nightmare, and that happened a lot. Well, where? But I would, one thing that I would do continuously after that first incident is I would ask her probably almost every day, did he touch you, you know? And she, I'd explain to her what good touch, bad touch is, but, and she always told me no. So I just chose to trust that, but I was wrong. Well, when she had those nightmares, what would she say? She never, she never told me, like, I can't recall her having, like, a specific nightmare, like, something repeatedly, like, like a repetitive nightmare. She would just wake up scared. And she would come screaming and running to me. And 
I would just, you know, have to calm her down and she'd always go back to sleep, but that happened for months. And of course it didn't make sense until later. Well, I think this is, you know, we're, we're 31 minutes in and I, we really want to keep our episodes to like this time frame. last week. I know we went an hour and, uh, so I think this is a good stopping point. Next week we'll we'll continue with this. You know I want to talk a little bit more about you and the aftermath of all that. It's a lot to talk about. Yeah, and I think I like, promise we'll get to happier happier topics. <laughs> well, and it's like we got to get through all this shit because if we like had a podcast and we're like, you do this, this, and this, and then you're because you know we're not like that. Like you don't fix yourself, or there is no fixing. There's adjusting and adapting and things like that and self-forgiveness and and things like that but if we don't cover some of this heavier stuff then the it just makes it more relevant Mm -hmm. well and it's our truth too like this is everything we were dealing with like we're starting from the beginning so yeah because there's like a bunch of shit going on with the church and a bunch of shit that you and i are just going through and good shit like good things you know oh oh, we still especially so much more to come. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, like I, I we're kind of, it, it's really good. But we, this kind of lets us kind of point to the better things. So next week, I really want to talk about how you beat yourself up as an individual, not just you personally, but just like as a parent or just even as a human being. When you when you make mistakes, um, you know, self forgiveness is a Sometimes it feels like it's impossible mm-hmm. to actually do, and really, what forgiveness is. Yeah, and you and know. we'll go in more detail a little bit more about like how I dealt because of that first incident happening, and then like with yeah, yeah, the Barbie doll, and then it being dropped, and then actually finding out that something did happen, which those pictures were taken later on, like, later, like, into our relationship. But, yeah, we'll get more into that. Because that was one of the hardest things. Because Not just, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm just saying not, I mean, obviously it was devastating enough that it even happened, but the fact that the signs were there and I chose to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt and, like, course i never wanted to believe that he would do that but i also chose to trust her and i thought for sure she would never hide something like that from me which i mean and she doesn't recall either i don't know if anything happened when she was four you know yeah i'll and i might not ever know i don't even know if she knows but it's just dealing with that made it so much harder because of thinking of realizing that I could have possibly kept it from happening if I would have ended the relationship, you know? Yeah. Well, and one thing that we didn't get into on this episode that I want to, you know, we didn't really talk much about the trial, but he spoke at the trial and that was the first time I've ever heard him talk besides saying, you know, not guilty. And, uh, he spoke with his, public defender right next to him and and after he spoke though it was like whoa this guy's a 
full-blown narcissist. Oh, yeah. So, and I think it'll be good for people to hear, especially people in relationships with young children, what it's like living with a narcissist and how you, just how you survive in that sense. So we don't have to get into that, but that will be coming next yeah. week. And that'll give me time to really think about that. Because yeah. that's something I'm really going to have to sit down and, and go back and think because living with a narcissist is, it's not, you, it's, I don't know. Well, it's, I think narcissism in general in our culture is a term that's thrown out there a lot. Uh, like sociopath and most people you know they're like oh he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist and maybe they are or maybe they aren't but a true narcissist uh, is definitely something entirely different yeah. than they're when we most say yeah they're it's very, not just because dangerous. you got a bunch of selfies on your social media page yeah. you know that might be some some bottom line narcissism but like true narcissism that's displayed from an adult uh, and so we'll talk about that. So one more thing before we go. Uh, I know we have been getting emails and, and comments. Um, it's tough to keep up with things anymore just because everybody's so busy, even during COVID stuff. Uh, so next week on that episode, when we start out, uh, we will... We'll just take a few emails or comments that we've got, and we'll kind of go over them. Okay. I don't know if some of the emails I read, I haven't read where people are like, you can, you can read it or not. So we'll just we'll read some emails in the form of like keeping, keeping up with like HIPAA laws. So no names will be mentioned except maybe like Big D or something, yeah. like people I know. So and also we've had issues with our donation link, oh, yeah. so we will get that fixed. Yeah, soon it was working at first, and now we're having issues with it. But thank you so to everyone who's donated, and we will get that fixed as soon as possible. Yeah, and when you comment or email in, don't worry. Like we will not share any personal stuff, so don't worry about that. Uh, and keep them coming in because we do kind of want to make that a segment where we we answer questions, we talk about things. So you can hit us up at the Pastor and the Witch Podcast at gmail.com. Our website is thepastorandthewitch.com. We're on Facebook, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all that stuff. Soon, I don't know how soon, but in the very near future, uh, we're gonna start doing some more things on the internet and social media doing some live broadcast. We'll have a YouTube channel going and we'll start putting up clips, uh, video clips, not just audio clips of uh, our podcast as well. And we're in the middle of getting stickers made up. So, all right. And t-shirts. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for listening.